Hello, and welcome to episode 164 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is still most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the regurgitative reaction to Miss Truthin. This week we're going to be talking about Knives Out on your My Mind's Made Up podcast. Mandy Kay, and you can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay if you just want to marvel at everything I still haven't seen. And I'm Matthew Vose. I'm on Twitter at Matthew Vose. I wish there were new movies coming out and movie news. I'm missing leaks and discussion. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you mean. There was. We did just get a, a drop of, of the first shot of Timothy Chalamet in June. That, that's exactly what's that made drop. me think about it because that shot came out and I was like, oh my God, something I can think about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had the same reaction. It was almost like, oh, weird, a piece of movie news. Yeah. Okay, I haven't seen one. Well, it's been too long. That, that's not, you know, Marvel coming up with, oh, here's something you didn't know about Endgame. We know everything about Endgame. Yeah. Stop telling us things about Endgame. <laughs> or or some other movie being cancelled. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, as you've just heard, this week we're joined by AJ from the Cop Popture Podcast. Um, everyone has heard... Hello. No, everyone's heard us mention the show before. Um, digging into franchises and any film topic that you can come up with. So, we're delighted to have you. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much. It's good to be here. So here, but here, meaning the comfort of my own room in the middle of a nationwide lockdown in New Zealand. Are you guys in lockdown? Where are you guys from? Yeah, we are heavy lockdown in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matthew's in the UK, and I am in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Also yeah. in lockdown. Nice. It's it's kind of exciting having a different person All locked out to. together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Knives Out, this is the most recent movie we've done since last year when we did See You Yesterday. Um, and at the end of See You Yesterday, our guest, Connie Gibbs, said, Oh, you must see Knives Out. I just saw it at Toronto International and it was amazing. So, it's quite, quite fun. This is the next one. Um, did you see this at the cinema? Did you catch it as soon as it came out? Yeah, I so what happened was is um my co-host on Cop Popshire, Richard, told me and our sometimes co-host Rowan that he was gonna go to a preview screening that weekend mm-hmm. for it. And we were both like, Oh, is there preview screenings? Because we live in different cities to Richard. Right. And so Rowan and I then worked out that it was playing a couple hours before Richard could see it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went to that uh, that version of it, a preview screening of it. Um, and since then, I have seen it, uh, I think, two or three more times um, showing it to friends. I made I made a video mm. about it on my YouTube channel, on the Cult Popsha YouTube channel. So I watched a lot of it, rewatched a lot of it for that. But I've only seen it through, I think, three times, but pretty recently. Only. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is actually pretty significant for me. I because of the podcast um, where where I end up watching so many movies per week. I mean, relative to people who don't do podcasts, I guess. Um, I I there's very little time in my life to just watch a movie leisurely. The closest I'll get to watching a movie for just because I want to watch it is like a new release at the cinema. 
that's really mm-hmm. I don't I don't typically rewatch films I love or watch a new movie just because I've become this person who only does things if I can turn it into content, which <laughs> has its ups and downs. I think we feel your pain on that. Mm. I'll bet. Well, Matthew does this thing where he watches so many movies every year. Um, what are you up to this uh, year? Just hit seventy-five. You've already watched seventy-five but, but movies I, this I, year. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I think AJ, you'll probably be on that. But like, you watch, you know, oh, hey, there's 40 James Bond films. Let's watch them in a month. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I've watched that many. And then I remember how many James Bond movies I've had to watch this year for the podcast. So, yeah, you yeah, might be I right. can officially no longer complain about how many movies I watch for the podcast. <laughs> there you go. So your, your video, we'll, we will absolutely link to it in the show notes. What was the video? Uh, it's called The Politics of Knives Out, and I, when I first saw Knives Out, I got a very obvious political message mm-hmm. uh, being to- being communicated to me, which I, you know, luckily I agreed with and, <laughs> and was all good with, with hearing it and didn't feel preached to, um, and I thought, I was like, oh, I should make a video on that, and then I was like... Uh, if, like it's so obvious, and someone else will make a video about it. And as the as the months went on, no one did anything. And I was like, "Am I the only? Like, I'm not the only one who noticed this, but no one else has made a politics of knives out. At least not a a, a left leaning one. There, there, there are a lot of like right wing or alt right uh, YouTube oh, really uh, vloggers talking about how knives out uh, went woke." And got broke, uh, which is not true. But um, so I was like, "All right, I'll make one." And I made it, and uh, I it got posted to Reddit, and there were so there were equal comments saying um, the political commentary was so obvious. I'm surprised someone had to make a video about it. And uh, you are reaching. There is nothing here. It's just a fun movie. It, which wow. kind of was a weird way of validating my own work, right? What, that, that, that enough yeah. people were, yeah, yeah, yeah. disagreeing with with the the fact there was disagreement proves the the need for the video. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm. yeah, we will make sure that's linked to for everyone to go and watch. Um, and, and I'm hoping you will pull some of that out as we talk about it. But for anyone who's sure, not yeah, seen yeah. it, Mandy, what's Knives Out about? All right. I took the Google synopsis this time because IMDb's just does not do it justice. (laughs) The circumstances surrounding the death of crime novelist Harlan Thrombey are mysterious, but there's one thing that renowned detective Benoit Blanc knows for sure. Everyone in the wildly dysfunctional Thrombey family is a suspect. Now Blanc must sift through a web of lies and red herrings to uncover the truth. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. That covers it way better than IMDb did. (laughs) Did you see trailers for this when it was coming out? Were you interested in it? I did see a couple of the trailers, and I thought that cast is amazing, so I really want to watch it just for that. But at the time, I didn't wasn't really interested in the story. Okay. So, yeah. Are we doing spoilers? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. We we do deep dives. Yeah. Anybody oh, who listens to our show should assume that we're going to talk about everything. Uh, because I, I just asked because the synopsis you just read out, um, which is of course what most of the movie was marketed on, it's so funny because that's not really the synopsis for a, for a, a, a huge chunk of the film. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's totally about something else. Right? And I think that's what I I liked yeah. about it so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Why don't you give us your brief synopsis? Well, <laughs> Knives Out, at least for the second act, which would be most of the mm. film, is a reverse murder mystery where mm-hmm. it's not about figuring out who did it. It's you at least think you know who did it, but you really like who did it, and so you're <laughs> wanting them to get away. So it's it's mm-hmm. about, it's the opposite of a murder mystery. It's someone covering their tracks as opposed to you putting, you know, piecing together everything. Uh, and in the end, it does turn out that the person we thought did it was innocent, and there is a real uh, murder murderer, but we we. I didn't know that until it was revealed. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't expecting there to... You know, I was expecting some kind of third act twist, but I I wasn't expecting to learn that there was actually a different murderer. And so it's, it's, it's just... It's so interesting to watch a movie like that and be like, I want the guilty person to get away without anyone finding out that it was them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I found myself kind of in the whole movie trying to do mental gymnastics to get her out of it, Mm, to try and figure out, like, this can't possibly be what happened. This is just what she thinks Mm. happened, Mm. you know, and I was going through all of this stuff. So, I mean, it it was good, for (laughs) sure. Yeah. Before we get into too much more, though, I do want to give a bit of history and production info for folks who aren't super familiar with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Knives Out is a 2019 mystery film written and directed by Ryan Johnson. A modern whodunit, the film features an ensemble cast, including Jamie Lee Curtis, Daniel Craig, Don Johnson, Michael Shannon, Chris Evans, Tony Collette, and Christopher Plummer. It has grossed $313 million so far against a $40 million budget. It was positively received by critics and audiences alike, garnering several award nominations, including Best Original Screenplay at the Academy Awards, and the American Film Institute included it in the top 10 films of 2019. Mm-hmm. Nice. Pretty popular yeah. movie. Yeah, I, I, I ranked it my number one film of 2019, I believe, oh. which I didn't think I was going to do because I had such a visceral... Uh, enjoyable experience watching Avengers Endgame that I, it felt like I would be lying to myself to say I like just just on a um, on a fundamental uh, practical level that I enjoyed um, that I enjoyed any movie more than Avengers Endgame. Just you know, just you could almost look at the maths and the, or the science of it and see that I how much I enjoyed it, but. Knives Out did. I actually ended up rating Endgame third behind Knives Out and Marriage Story as well. So these are all recommendations, mm. I guess, for future episodes of Pop Culturally Deprived. Um, but yeah, I re- I love Knives Out. I think it's such a cool movie. It's one of the few movies that I can remember coming out in 2019 that wasn't Star Wars or Marvel. <laughs> mm. <Yep>. Pretty fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, were you able to find it anywhere over there, Mandy, to stream, to rent, to buy? Um, it is available to rent on Amazon. So, I think anywhere you can rent it. Although, it's expensive. It's like $6. Yeah. That's a lot. I usually pay like $3 to rent something. Uh, wow. Basically the same over here as well. It's not on an actual streaming platform yet, but yes, you can rent it on any of them. It has the feel of something that will come to Sky, so... I watched it on. Uh, we have a streaming, a third-party streaming service in New Zealand mm. called Lightbox, and it's on there. I think, or is it on Neon? It's on one or the other. Uh, but I have 
bought the steel book online. Mm. Uh, I bought it about a week before the lockdown happened, <laughs> and it has not arrived yet, and I do not know when I should expect <laughs> it to arrive. So. <laughs> so it's your fault for being that excited <laughs> that's caused all the lockdown. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mandy, you said about the cast and crew, you know, pretty major players across all of them. What's Mm -hmm. your experience of them? I mean, I'm pretty sure we've already talked about almost all of them on on PCD before, so I don't really want to go through that whole list. Um, It's probably easier to say who I'm not familiar with. Um, Ana de Armas, Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the woman who played Marta. I had never seen her in anything before, and she was phenomenal. Yeah, she's so good. Like, I think Benoit Blanc is the is the like more obvious choice for like the best character in the movie. But I'm every time I watch this movie, I'm so warmed by Marta as a character. Mm-hmm. She's such a wonderful person, and the whole movie, yeah. she's a wonderful person in a way that that isn't showy. So you don't necessarily remember her being such a great character but her likability is like essential to how the story works because she's the one that Mm -hmm. you think that you think uh, accidentally killed harlan for for most of the film and so it wouldn't work if she was anything less than than perfect in a way you know she's this just this wonderful person who's the only only nice person in the whole uh thromby drysdale kind of clan um, and it's and she's the guilty one. Oh, it's so good. I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, I found it interesting because based on the trailer and the way the movie was marketed, I expected the detective, you know, Daniel Craig, to be the main character, mm, yeah, and yeah. then he wasn't. Well, they've they've announced that they're going to do a sequel, and mm-hmm. there are, there is talk of of it being a franchise where it's Benoit Blanc doing different m- murder mysteries. But I'm like, you've got to do it so he's secondary to the plot every time, and I wonder, mm-hmm. I wonder how they'll do that because I think that's one of this, this movie's secret weapons is that he's not actually front and center for most of it. Like no one knew going into this movie who the main character actually was, mm. and I think that's really that's really rare and that's really special. Mm-hmm. You've just made me wonder, like, could they turn this into a kind of Cloverfield thing? Like a new detective story comes out, and it turns out it's mm-hmm. Benoit Blanc. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sort of. Like, I I think all I expect from a sequel would be, you know, whatever whatever murder mystery you want it to be, but I'd love if there was still that deeper kind of analogy for... Because, like, for for those who haven't seen it and have just heard a bunch of spoilers about it, (laughs) Knives Out's about immigration. Mm. The whole movie... This is what my video is about. The whole movie's about immigration and kind of the privileged white America's, uh, you know treatment of immigrants so i would love for like knives out 2 or whatever it's called um to be about climate change or something you know some <laughs> other political topic that it, that it like makes a microcosm for because that's what mm-hmm. knives out is it's it's this mansion and these suspects as america and like american stereotypes and marta is the immigrant and it's sort of like they have an excuse to to deport her so to speak and it's about trying to get around that i guess mm-hmm. sorry i don't i don't mean to america s- explain to a actual american <laughs> i apologize no, if, please if this comes please off do as- absolutely 
<laughs> okay, we're using America's plane in the future. That's good. <laughs> um, Mandy, were you actually expecting a detective story? What sort of thing were you, did you think you were going in for? Um, yeah, no, I, I was expecting a detective okay. story. Um, I, I wasn't sure what form it was going to take, really. Um, but I mean, across the screen, either in the trailer or right at the beginning of the movie, it says a modern whodunit. Okay. Right. Maybe that's the trailer. Um, I just... Yeah, it says, it yeah, says like, a, a whodunit like nobody's ever done it. Right, trailer, okay. I think. Nice. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Okay. I, I think we already know, but Mandy, hey, did you enjoy this film? I did. I really liked it. How much? Like, nice. amazing, great? Um, It's the first one we've done in a long time that I've wanted to sit down and okay. rewatch right okay. away. So, yeah, really liked it a lot. Do we think it rewards second viewings? Yes. I think so. Yeah, it's a different movie on second viewing Mm -hmm. because you see a lot of, like, things that become callbacks that that I wouldn't have noticed otherwise. Like, Mm -hmm. there's um, the two things I didn't notice for the first time I watched. Well, actually... Well, yeah, I mean, one of them is pretty incidental. Like the the so the last shot of the film is Marta, who's just inherited the house and cleared her name, is like staring down at all the all the thrombies and Drysdales, and she takes a sip from a mug that has like "My House, My Rules" written on it. And you see that's like that cup is like one of the first things you see in the film, like someone else drinking mm-hmm. from it. So I didn't notice that the first time I watched it, and also uh, when um, uh, Ransom tries to kill Marta right at the end when he's been found out. He he pulls a knife out of the knife uh, structure sort of art piece that is in Harlan's office and he like tries to stab Marta with it only to find out it's a fake knife. Um, and earlier in the film when they're talking about Ransom, Harlan's like, he wouldn't know a fake knife from a real one. Which I'm kind of glad I didn't pick up on the first time I watched it because I worry I would have worked out what was going to happen mm. based on such a... A mm. pointed line, I guess. Yeah, that one I did catch. Like, as soon as he pulled it out, I realized, oh, that's mm. why they had that line in there. Because um, one of the things that Matthew and I like to point out, well, Matthew likes to point out, and it's rubbed off on me, is Chekhov's gun. Mm-hmm. And I've got that a video was... on that. <laughs> I've got, <laughs> that I've got was... YouTube's second most viewed video on Chekhov's gun. So Ooh, I will have to check that out. <laughs> Um, but because of that, I tend to notice now when things might possibly be pointed and seem random, but are going to come up later. And this movie had a lot of them. Um, and I, I feel certain I didn't catch them all. And so I want to rewatch it, especially not looking for the twist because I was looking for the twist this whole movie. And so now that I know how it's going to play out, it'll be much easier Mm. on the rewatch to kind of just let things happen and, and really be able to see how they tie into the end and how some may or may not be misdirection yeah yeah nice yeah i I think that looking for the twist is the bit that lost me on this film like i really enjoyed it well enough for what it was i i felt like the film wanted you to sit there and be like what is he doing what are they doing what are what is going on and trying to take it apart i think you know for the whole time going harlan's behind this he's coming up with something he's trying to you know orchestrate this as a game to see who should inherit and then it's like oh no we told you everything at the beginning it's just for different reasons than we were telling you then i i almost like the film was trying to be more clever but whether that's me just trying to interrogate it and expecting too much (laughs) (laughs) no no no, i see what you mean 
I am one of those who spent the entire movie thinking Harlan orchestrated it, like that he hired Benoit, mm. that possibly he wasn't even actually dead yep. at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, but honestly, I think that's why this movie is so clever, because Ryan Johnson knew we were going to do that. Mm. And and so I think he was leaning into it so that he could actually surprise us by not giving us the twist that we expected. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because who's going to tell you the murderer in a whodunit in the first half an hour? Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah but and he because, did. Because of what I said before about how it ends up being a reverse murder mystery... I think that's why I wasn't expecting another twist was because I was like, this is clever mm-hmm. enough. Right, okay, yeah, this yeah. Is, this is fresh enough of an idea for me to be like, oh, cool, so this is the movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the other thing I was looking for, and this is possibly because of who everyone else in this film is, was actually Marta was setting it all up so that she inherited... You know, she's mm. Machiavellian and a bit evil and so on, which I think goes completely against everything that you've said about the politics and what they were setting up yeah, there. Yeah. But just the, <laughs> it feels like the TV movie twist. <laughs> Imagine the political reading of this film if Marta actually was just this <laughs> conniving evil person. Whoa, that would be dangerous. <laughs> that would be a, a dangerous message to be sending to the people of America and the world. And, and I think that's probably reading too much because, like exactly like you say, she is just a nice person, and it's well, it's well performed to to sort of sell you on mm. she's nice and she takes care of people in a good way without being twee with it. Yeah, no, I agree. Mm-hmm. And and in in the they say it in the movie right right at the end when um when Marta's sort of you know taking a breather after after ransom's been caught um uh benoit blanc goes up to her and says i want you to know that you you survived this not by doing it harlan's way but you did it by being a good person Mm. um because because one of the crucial um building blocks in ransom's plan was that after he kills fran the the housekeeper he's relying on Marta running from the scene of the crime that he's like sort of framed her up to be Kevin committed, but she stays to try and save her life, which is great that Ransom didn't think she would do that. And great that Marta did do that because that tells you everything about those two characters. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ransom, Ransom's character was interesting to me because I had heard everybody talking about how this was Chris Evans doing such a departure from Captain America. Um, but when we're finally introduced to him, like we get the bits and pieces of him fighting with Harlan at the party. But then when we see the conversation that he has with Marta, like because he's acting and we don't know he's acting, he comes across as genuine wow. in that moment. It's, it's interesting you bring that up because I when I did my video, I watched um, I, I watched it with Ryan Johnson's he, he released a director's commentary that you are supposed to put in your ears and go to the movie oh, to nice. watch the, the movie for oh. right? so, so I downloaded that. And you know how in the movie uh, there's a part where it does like a flashback to the family having an argument and they're very clearly talking about Trump. They don't say his name, mm-hmm. but they're talking about kids in cages. Mm-hmm. And 
um, uh, Don Johnson's character, Richard, he goes, I don't like him, he's an asshole, but America needs an asshole right now. Like, that's his position. Um, and mm-hmm. in the commentary for Knives Out, in that scene where um, Ransom kind of saves Marta from the the slew of, of everyone yelling at her after she inherits everything in the will, he's talking to her, and you do go, oh, maybe this guy is trustworthy. And in the director's commentary, Ryan Johnson's like, I really wanted to go, hey, maybe we should trust the asshole. But the, the answer is no, never trust the asshole. <laughs> the asshole is always doing something for themselves. And so it's, I didn't even pick up on that the first, until yeah. I I listen to the commentary that that mm-hmm. if everyone you know you've got your a lot of these characters are not necessarily american but commonly american stereotypes right you've got like like there's an alt-right um troll there's a there's a liberal uh, a liberal uh kind of slacktivist in um meg's character there's the you know uh uh tony collette's essentially playing gwyneth paltrow and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah yeah and and yes. business business owners everyone is like the type of person you've heard of before right the type of like mm-hmm. deeply flawed selfish person you've heard of before and i think ransom is just straight up supposed to be trump I think I think that's just what what he is a an, an analogy wow. for mm. is because he he earned he earned trust through because it was it was it was uh, pertinent for him to be able to pull some strings and get what he wanted by by appearing mm-hmm. as trustworthy and I mean Ryan Johnson himself is is like never trust the asshole and if they're talking about Trump when they say that in the film and then Ryan Johnson says it about the, that main character then yeah. It's it's interesting. I was so fascinated when I heard that in the commentary. I was like, "Oh my god!" Of course, that's that's the moral of the story in a way. (laughs) Never trust an asshole. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Should should it have called out more transparently? Um, No, well, I I I I personally, you know how you guys study films in in like English class in high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes. Sometimes. So whenever in, in, in New Zealand for high school, you, you study like a film a year in English. And people would always be like, oh, I can never watch V for Vendetta again because right. I studied it in year 12 English. For me, I love studying film. I love knowing more about a film. Like people are always like, oh, the, the, the filmmaker made the curtains blue. Because he made the curtains blue, but English teachers will tell you it's because the scene is supposed to be sad and all this sort of thing. It's like, I love that. I love finding little pieces of symbolism that I maybe didn't think were there. And I love studying film and I love knowing more about a film. So with with that case in Knives Out, I think I I appreciated finding it out from doing a little extra digging. Mm. There was there was like mm-hmm. a nice a nice reward for me listening to the director's commentary was like working out these parallels because I was listening to it specifically to make my video. I was like, there's gotta be if he's doing an entire mm. commentary on this movie, surely he talks about the underlying message. And he doesn't for ages. And then during the the scene where Ransom and Marta are talking to each other for the first time and he and you kind of learn to trust him, he like does this massive long spiel. Um, about how Agatha Christie novels were always very political um, and people don't think they are, but they were. And he he does this big long spiel that's like this minute long and all of it's in my video because it's like exactly what I was, nice. what I was trying to communicate. <laughs> so, so the other side of that then, uh, and this was possibly the thing for me, is 
the, that cast, you know, we talked about the cast that it's got these characters and actors that we have seen in many, many other things in major, major roles. There were times when I couldn't help but watch it as this is Chris Evans doing the film he did after Endgame. And how does he do that? This is Jamie Lee Curtis, who is famed for Mm. certain roles throughout her career. What does that bring to this rather than just the character as presented? Well, with with um, Chris Evans, I think that's a very intentional meta casting because mm-hmm. you've literally got Captain America <laughs> yelling yeah. at an immigrant saying, you're, you're stealing our, <laughs> our home, which, and it's not even his home. It was inherited by Harlan in the 80s. So it's, it's you know, like it's, yeah. I think, mm-hmm. I think Captain America was intentionally cast because he's Captain America and because he literally holds that symbol when you see him. And like he's a good actor, and you and you stop. You don't think of him as Steve Rogers when watching the film, but I think I think Ryan Johnson is clever enough to know um, how to to pull on those little subconscious threads when you're watching something like this. And yeah, I think Chris mm-hmm. Evans is is a genius casting because of who he is, and not necessarily his acting capability, which is fine. But yeah, I think I think they cast him on purpose for that reason. Mm. I think the the cast. I think it was perfectly cast, honestly. You know, the way that they very clearly delineated between you've got the boomers and you've got the Gen X and you've got the millennials and then you've got the, what are are they, Gen Z? Zoomers. (laughs) Zoomers. I don't think I've heard that one. Uh, I heard it about a year ago and I've been doing my best to perpetuate that as the Okay. Until it comes back to you. It's so perfect. It's so perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so by drawing those lines so clearly and casting the way that they did it, I found it perfect. Um, and it didn't, I wasn't distracted at all by, um, the faces, even though they're, they're so famous and and having them all in the same room together was amazing, but they all embodied their characters so well. Yeah. Like Tony Collette was delightful. Mm. I mean, she's vapid, but she's delightful. Well, these actors are famous because they're really good actors, I think, yeah. as well. My 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 favorite <laughs> <That's> performance <fair. laughs> my favorite performance in the film is Michael Shannon as as Walt Thromby. Um mm-hmm. he's so funny. I haven't actually seen Michael Shannon in too many things. Um, but the one of the best parts of the film, which I learned from the commentary, was actually a, an improvisation on Michael Shannon's part, is that, that famous scene where Ransom is going like eat shit eat shit eat shit to everyone in the family when they're they're ragging on him um as as the scene like leaves the room you hear michael shannon yell i won't be eating one iota of shit which is (laughs) oh my god it's such he improvised that line and it's so perfect because it's one of those things where it's like by you saying the words you are succumbing to the the joke like you are being mm-hmm. you sound stupid because you're getting down to his level but you think you're, you're above it and uh, it's it's the fact that it's um michael shannon's improv mm. shows a really deep understanding of the character and of the storytelling as well because it's like he knows the type of person he's supposed to be coming across as here mm-hmm. yeah yeah i don't yeah. think i've seen him do anything that kind of weaselly normally he's like in mm. control, yeah. evil dude. <laughs> mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Because in like the Shape of Water, mm. he's just like the the cartoonishly evil villain. Um, this is the first time I think I've seen him be yeah like a like a scrub, like like a, a, a lower <laughs> yeah. rung on the ladder. Mm. 
I'm trying to think what else I've seen him in because he's so familiar to me. And I know we talked about him when we did mm-hmm. Groundhog Day. That was because his first, he, first film. Very young. Yeah, yeah. Michael Shannon was in that. Um, he's, I first saw him in Man of Steel. He played General Zod in Man of Steel. Have you seen that? Yeah. I have seen it, but I, I know. Um, Considering yeah, I the just, concept of this podcast, I feel like I have to be like, have you seen this? Oh, no, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's a valid question. I have not seen The Shape of Water. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I still haven't seen most things. Um, and I think that's why I struggle with placing actors sometimes, because I, I know their face from, you know, the internet and, and just general awareness. Well, um, but- one actor that is in Knives Out is Lakeith Stanfield, who's mm-hmm. who plays the de- uh, Detective Elliot. Um, and if you're looking for more uh, pop-culturally-deprived subject material... Um, uh, Sorry to Bother You from 2018, Lakeith Stanfield, my favourite film of 2018. And again, going back to that director's commentary, Ryan Johnson's like, this was my favourite movie of 2018, Sorry to Bother You. <laughs> um, so I'd recommend that as well if, <laughs> if you're looking for another more recent film. It's maybe not as... Um, uh, I feel like it's a cult, cult, cult popularly deprived, pop culturally deprived <laughs> Im- implies to me that you're you're going for like the greatest hits, right? We have done a lot of that, but we are, you know, at episode 160, True. so we are The greatest moving... hits are running out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so but we are doing, like, Citizen Kane next week, so... There you go. We're still, get, we're still diving into some of them, but we're mm. trying to spread them out a little yeah, bit more yeah. now. Because Sorry to Bother You went, I think, relatively under the radar, especially compared to something like Knives Out, but I love that movie. So, and that's, like, Keith Stanfield is excellent in it, so there you go. Quick I'll recommendation. Look it up. I'm... Not familiar with it, so... Mm, it's good. Have you seen it, Matthew? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Really, like, weird, but really good. We- a fucking weird movie, <laughs> yeah. right? So weird. One of the weirdest movies. Like, you could <laughs> you could pause it halfway through and ask everyone, where is this going? And they would not accurately no, guess absolutely. the ending in one million years. But he did that off the back of, like, the, the American adaptation of Death Note, which... Mm. I really enjoyed, but again, was weird. As Did it, you? Oh. Yeah, good film. That's a controversial position yeah, to take. I don't say it's often. I, I, think um. <laughs> I, 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 Richard put it on um, when we were flatting together in Auckland, and I think I watched about 20 minutes of it, and I was like, yo, this is real bad. <laughs> I don't think I can keep watching this. Um, but he was in it, it says he was in Uncut Gems because he's like on, on my top scene actors on Letterboxd so I've just seen him in lots of stuff this year yeah he's he's the guy in Uncut Gems who's like the the friend of the basketball yeah like, he's the watch like dude he's like okay. his, his, yeah 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 he's, um, he's, he's also in yeah he's in Atlanta as well the TV show okay because, yeah, cause the, the other life. thing I've seen this year is, of course, BoJack Horseman. And he suddenly comes up in the last and, two seasons of BoJack. And <laughs> yeah, and have you, you you guys would have seen uh, Get Out, yeah? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, well, he delivers the titular line in Get Out. <laughs> he's the Get Out guy from Get Out. Okay. <laughs> is that what he's credited as? I hope so. <laughs> no, I don't think so, but that's that's he's he's the one who has that famous scene. So there you nice. go. I think that was his first big big kind of role. Okay. Interesting. So as we move into, I think we're we're gushing and getting onto how good this film was. Mm. I wanted to ask Mandy about the accent. Oh. It's actually okay. really good. Okay. Oh, <laughs> as, as someone on. who does a podcast um, about Southern representation and film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, it feels caricaturish. Mm-hmm. It really does. Um, and I think that's just because we know what Daniel Craig actually sounds like. Okay. Well, I don't think um, it's because but he he's, is based he's, on a. He's playing a, a cartoon character almost. Like he's <laughs> he's supposed to be this like larger than life eccentric character. So. Hmm. Um. It, the character is based on a real oh, person, right? Or a real like the the um. The emulation, the the accent, like, like there's a person out there. I can send you a YouTube video okay, of this person okay. speaking, and it's spot on. Right, Colonel um, Sanders. So I, I, I <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I want to say his name is Shelby okay. Booth. Maybe groundskeeper of Starfleet Academy. <laughs> Apparently, they've they've toyed with the ideas and and future sequels of giving him a different ridiculous accent <gasps> in every film. Really, which I I would be kind Amazing. of into, especially if it just if it just wasn't explained, like they don't explain. It's just a, it's just this anthological like he's just a different accented person in each film. But I I think I don't know if it'd be worth it for the joke. <laughs> I I do like it to sort of uh, disrupt the tropiness of like the suave detective, the Poirot, or the person who yeah, listens yeah. to classical music or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I misspoke. Um, it's not Shelby Booth, it's Shelby Foote. Okay. Um, Daniel Craig based his accent on Shelby Foote, who was a uh, Civil War historian. Nice. Um, so if you watch videos of Shelby Foote. Oh, interesting. Um, I will send you one. Yeah, no, let's stick it in the I mean, and, and it, Ooh. yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it, it is worth kind of joking about i mean you get that what is it csi yeah. afc yeah 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 that, i think that there is a, a direct there. reference um, to foghorn leghorn somewhere in there so yeah yes <laughs> yeah, yeah. yes have you guys seen um, um, but- logan lucky mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes because he does that he it's not the same accent it's like more of a um texan accent i think and logan lucky like he's got a way different mm-hmm. different voice but it's mm-hmm. it's funny because like Obviously, you most associate him with James Bond, and having just watched all the James Bond movies, I feel like I've never seen another James Bond actor do a different voice in any movie before, so it's funny to have these two very distinct Daniel Craig accents Mm -hmm. in different films. Yeah, I know all the Twitters. (laughs) All of them. (laughs) You haven't seen Logan Lucky, have you, Matthew? I saw it when it came out, so... Yeah. Oh. I've, I can okay. do you one better. I've seen it, but I didn't like it. So I'm in that camp. Oh. I know. I'm wrong, though. I just accept <laughs> that I'm in the wrong. So here, let me tell you what my dad said about that movie, and maybe it'll make you feel better. My dad said, that's the best, worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Logan, lucky. And that it's kind of accurate. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> that's what I need to start saying when people ask my opinion on it. Yeah. Is it NASCAR? Uh, it it kind of yeah, it yeah. has a little bit of that in it. Do you it. just like yeah, yeah. you just uh, like NASCAR films? Is this the thing? You and Talladega Nights? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, Talladega Nights is good, man. It is. I think I haven't seen it since I was a teenager. All right, what Matthew? Did you have any moments in this movie that you really enjoyed? I I, I mean. As you can probably hear, given that I've watched a lot of Lakeith Stanfield, I can take a lot of Lakeith Stanfield. He's really good in this. <laughs> just where he's like, mm-hmm. no, that's not a reason for someone to kill them. No, that's that's not a reason either. He's just... I mean, for someone who is quite young, 
he's playing this sort of grizzled older cop who's like, I've seen a lot of stuff. These are not reasons people kill people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and he sells it. I don't know. I was arguing with him, though, because money is absolutely a reason people kill people. Absolutely. I, and he was arguing I that I think his point not. was they all have money. I mean, they all have money th- through the guy, but why would they kill him then? Yeah, yeah. Because... Yeah. Okay. You know. It was well, like, I mean, they, they all have their reasons. I guess mm. is the is the point. And you need Lakeith Stanfield's yeah. character there because he's the one that grounds everyone. And you you need someone who's not suspecting anyone mm. for the movie to to function. I think. And not so much of a caricature. Yeah. I think I think that helps him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but also just the stuff that we see that the relationship between Harlan and Marta. I I think they mm-hmm. work really well together. I think she is just such a nice person just trying to be like, okay, I'll answer your questions, but I don't want to. So can I go? And then just he comes and sits in the car with her and she's like, okay, I need to kind of go and do crimey things. You just stay here. And he's like, all right. And you see him then with the headphones in. It's just, it kind of works really nicely. Yeah. Okay. No. All right. How about you? What did you like? Um, I think we've talked about all the things I really liked. Um, Tony Collette's performance was absolutely delightful. I loved watching her dance in the birthday party scene, and yeah. she's just like doing her own thing, and then she's like pulling on Jamie Lee Curtis, but not actually wanting her to come dance with her, just kind of aggravating yeah. her, and Jamie Lee Curtis is uh, ignoring her. Like, it was just wonderful to yeah. watch. Like, annoying as crap, but still wonderful. I, I really think we, we really need to do a Tony Collette month at some point. Mm. Probably, because I don't think I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of her stuff, but I've never seen her do something that I right. didn't like. So. Nice. Yeah. Captain America going, eat shit, eat shit, eat shit, and you eat shit, and <laughs> you eat shit. I mean, <laughs> so that was you. fantastic. <laughs> um, but I think my favorite um from a storytelling perspective and just because it made me want to stand up and clap um, was when Walt came to see Marta mm. and was telling her, if you give us the inheritance, we'll help you with your mom. We'll give you all the resources that you need. And she just looks at him and says, but Harlan gave me all of your resources, yeah. so I don't need you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? It's and so- I was like, yes, this girl does have a backbone because they've kind of set her up not to have one. Yeah. But she does. I loved it. Mm, that's such a good way to put it. It, it, it has a, a function in, in the story, that scene where you you respect Marta a little bit more as like, yeah, as you say, as a character with backbone, which could maybe mm-hmm. be seen as something she doesn't have at that point. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, what about you, AJ? I know you've kind of gushed about the whole movie. Mm. I think you love the whole thing, but is there a standout uh, moment? I think the last shot of the film, it was like such a moment where you're like, oh shit, that's what this movie is. <laughs> like, like this is why, this is why I found it so ridiculous that people were saying that it's not political when it ends with mm-hmm. like the, the put upon, um, discriminated against immigrant character standing above the, all the, the people who should have the inheritance, according to them, and she j- sips from a cup that has my house written on it in big letters. Like, that, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's why, that's the irrational nightmare of, 
of racists, right? Mm. It's that they're going to take our land, they're going to take our home, and she does, <laughs> and it's hilarious, and and it's just such a it's such a wonderful moment. So I really like that. Um, there's a moment, a real subtle moment, I really like in the film, which is during that scene where um, they're kind of having that that big argument and the flashback, and he called um, uh, Richard calls Marta over to be like, "Look, you're an immigrant, but you did it right," and it's this real like. <laughs> Yeah, she, technically, she, as well, her, her mum is an illegal immigrant. Um, and and so they're sort of talking to, to about, about that. And while Richard is, like, arguing with the others, he hands Marta a dirty plate mm-hmm. that he's holding, mm-hmm. which is so it's, – it's funny, but it's also subtle enough to be quite a um, – an understated kind of like character reveal that like she's not a, a maid she's she's harlan's carer she's not it's not her job to clean up after him but while he's talking about how he's not racist he just thinks that we need to be controlling the border and all this sort of <laughs> while he's saying that he's literally showing that he associates a woman of color as being someone who cleans up up after him mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's it's a really excellent little l- tiny little moment in the film that, that that really elevates mm-hmm. it, I think. The the really interesting thread that I, I, I don't think they pull on, <clears throat> but there's a couple of them saying, oh, I wish you'd been at the funeral, I was outvoted. And two or three of them say it, and it's like, I kind of want to do a tally of, right, who does that mean voted yeah, yeah. against her? Who does that mean voted for her? Where are the battle lines drawn? And if enough people say, yeah, if enough people say, um, I voted. I was outvoted. Does that mean that everyone's lying? Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, what, uh, that's what yeah. I assumed. <laughs> yeah, I assumed there was no vote. They just were saying that to make her feel better, to make mm-hmm. themselves feel better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, look, yeah. I know, I know. Um, I've I've said it's a political film, but it also it doesn't necessarily take sides. Like, it's definitely anti the commonly held beliefs of like your, your the platonic ideal of like an angry trump supporter i guess but like the like meg's character as i said before is like a a a liberal you know a white white feminism kind of thing that that like Mm -hmm. where she she at least in, in part of the movie seems to be like an ally but then when Marta gets the inheritance she becomes you know she becomes a, a vulture like all the rest of them and I think that's important for the movie to to show that I mean I would say by and large it's definitely like a a, a left leaning movie but at least it criticizes the kind of fakeness of a lot of people who think they're better than than those who have different beliefs, you know, like uh, uh, Meg and Tony Collette's character Joni specifically are the more left-wing characters in the film, but they are also just as greedy and they are just as xenophobic. And I think it's important that they're in there so it doesn't just become this, um, you know, dragging this one type of person through the mud, mm-hmm. which maybe isn't entirely accurate. Mm. Right. Right. I think it also speaks to extremes because you do have Meg's character and can't remember the the boy's name. Jacob? Jacob, yep. Maybe? Yep. Jacob? Um, you, you've got those two juxtaposed, right? Yeah. The literal Nazi? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> the what they call them. Alt-right youth. Um, yeah. yeah. And like, they, they, like the, what's so funny about everyone saying I was reaching – 
not to i didn't mean to come on this podcast and just defend my point of view the whole time <laughs> but like it's in the text right they, not only do they have mm-hmm. a political argument yes. in the film but like jacob calls meg a liberal snowflake and she calls him an alt-right troll and it's like you're saying you're gonna use these like triggering words in you know because when you hear those words when you hear those names your mind goes to all these places that and mm. the movie wants you to go to those places so that you mm-hmm. are thinking about the these things while you're watching a seemingly unrelated story to, yeah. to this this kind of stuff but it's mm-hmm. not unrelated because it's all there it's mm-hmm. all there absolutely it was very i mean very textual mm. very yeah explicit yeah I yeah, think. yeah yeah all right well is there anything else that we need to discuss about knives out so you've mentioned about sequels and possible sequels what would you want to see in a sequel um, well, I said before, I'd love to. I, I really, definitely want like an underlying message to be like the connective tissue of a franchise, right? Yeah. I would love to be able to be like Knives Out's the immigration one, the second one's the the climate change one, the third one's the financial crisis. You know, like mm-hmm. like find these ways to make little microcosms. Um, I think judging by, um, I, I think Ryan Johnson is gonna want to go a little more exotic for the second one Mm. i wouldn't be surprised if we see it sort of um channeling something like death on the nile which is the sequel to to murder on the orient express Mm. although even murder on the orient express is is like in a fun location it's on a train um so i would expect i would expect to see the next one be have have something different than a mansion as its playground do you know what i mean like whether Mm -hmm. whether that's a, a big vehicle or a or I don't know a town hall or something. I think we will see a different type of living, yeah, playground. I guess. Um, in terms of actors, I'd want to see in it. Uh, a lot of people are saying Adam Driver should be in, in Knives Out too. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would love mm-hmm. to see Adam Driver and um, re- reunite with Ryan Johnson mm. and and do a Knives Out movie. Um, I think that'd be great. I don't have any any. Uh, I as much as I love Marta, I would I would prefer if. Um, Blanc was the only like character who crossed over. Okay, um, that that was my mm-hmm. next question. Yeah. Is like because I think because I like the relationship between them, I'd want to see more. But uh, am I yeah, asking for too they, much cake at the end of a cake thing? <laughs> mm, I think you. I think these movies are going to be the best they can be when you when you don't need to watch them in order. Right. Okay. If you can just mm. watch them, mm. if they're just they're just you know slightly referenced to like the past adventures but um whodunits whodunits like agatha christie's novels were like that right mm. that like poirot and stuff are not really connected stories they they are mysteries involving the same central character um because i also think it's unrealistic to expect mysteries to have connection mm. to each other you know so mm-hmm. i i don't know i would prefer these kind of standing by themselves individual movies that you can watch it in any order sort of like with how indiana jones or or james bond before daniel craig well, was what, where it's like yeah yeah what what you're making me think of is um george a romero's zombie trilogy it, and directly oh, yeah. because yeah, each yeah. thing has a message about some larger issue yeah you know so that's great that's a great analogy next yeah. one's in a shopping mall frankly yeah great right like like you can you can do so much with with just the central concept of like a murder mystery with an underlying 
political or 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 social message and if that's capitalism your is, if yeah. that's what yeah 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 exactly right like if that's your moot if that's like this is what the series is about and we have a central character that we follow cool man i would so i don't think they should call it knives out too i think it needs like a completely standalone Mm-hmm. title yeah mm-hmm. like call it whatever and then then put like a, a another ryan johnson who done it or something like that a nice out story <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. Um, i mean not even as part of the official title just just a an indication that mm. it's a sequel to knives out um right yeah and i i was reading on on reddit i think some people were posting um other radiohead song titles that could be knives out sequel titles because knives out is a radiohead song the best one i saw was was um burn the witch i think could be a cool cool title same same kind of on brand kind of thing so yeah interesting what do you guys think I I think that you have wonderful ideas. <laughs> I'm going to steal them all. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> to just just to be clear, I was asking what you guys think about a Knives Out sequel, and not what you think about my ideas. I wasn't I wasn't fishing for compliments, but I will take them. Well, you're going to have them anyway, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think I agree with you. It it makes more sense if. You can watch them out of order if the only connective tissue is is Blanc, mm. um, you know. And I, I'm I'm thinking of other. I kind of hate to make this comparison, but like the Dan, Dan Brown novels. Sure. Yeah. Like like there is because time passes. You know, there are some slight references to. God, I can't remember his name. Robert Langdon, maybe. I don't know the professor's name. There are some references to things that happened in previous books just because it's his life. But by and large, the plot of each book is completely independent of the other ones. And so I I think think that kind of works. And I don't think enough series do that these days. Like I think Pirates of the Caribbean and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them are two great examples of series which tried to be interconnected with each other, whereas they would have been better with standalone stories at least parts mm-hmm. of the caribbean two and three fantastic beasts and if you listen if you've been listening to cole popcher for a long time i've said this a hundred times fantastic beasts should have been indiana jones and the harry potter universe I, d- I don't know why they went for this connected to grindelwald kind of thing it should have just been mm-hmm. every every movie there's a different fantastic beast and a different where to find it and keep the characters mm-hmm. and just have them everyone's in a different country and it's just them trying to find a different monster. Like, ugh. It's so obviously <laughs> yeah. what it should have been. And they've ruined it by trying to connect it to the books in any kind of larger way. Right. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and that's kind of what you expect with a movie called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find oh, it's, it's such a... It's not supposed to be a, like, political, like a wizardry political yeah, yeah, thriller. Yeah. It's supposed to be about newt and his monsters why why is grindelwald in my newt scamander movie make a fucking grindelwald movie what just do something (laughs) different i don't do that as well like i just i was so angry fantastic beast 2 was like the worst movie of 2018 i think the worst the worst major blockbuster of 2018 um i would say worst Mm. movie but i've seen so many bad straight to dvd sequels (laughs) for this for my podcast um, in 2018 <laughs> that I can't rightly say it's the worst one but I, I went out of that movie being like what the hell was that man what we were I didn't understand a lot of it like a lot of it's just so convoluted and and bad mm-hmm. mm. anyway 
not to derail the finale of this podcast. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sitting here thinking, did I even see the second one? And I did. That's just how memorable yeah, yeah. it was. It's so bad. It's actually so, so bad. Yeah. I haven't seen it. We ain't watching it. Oh, it's kind of a flip. Do you guys ever do um, it reverse? So it's one that Matthew hasn't seen and that um, Andy has. We have done that sometimes. We, we just yes. wrapped up the Twilight yeah. series where, where we and speculated. Did you enjoy them? Uh, um, but we speculated the spin-off should be Renesme and Jacob traveling the world having adventures. Oh, there you go. Like a girl I don't know if I want to yeah. dig more into that specific relationship, but <laughs> just because of how uncomfortable it made me, that's a good idea. Yeah, Matthew enjoyed the baseball game. Baseball game was wonderful. Scene. From the first bit time. Bit of muse, yeah. Yeah. bit of thunder, awesome. Mm. Good. It's mm, a good scene. <laughs> All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com. AJ, it's been amazing having you. Thank you so much for coming on and giving us all your Thank critical you. views. Um, where, where, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where can people find uh, your podcast? Tell, tell us a bit about your shows, just in case people don't listen. Oh, uh, sure. So, um, Cult Popture, C-U-L-T-P-O-P-T-U-R-E. Uh, we do videos on YouTube. We do, like, video essays and that sort of thing. Um, but we also do a podcast where uh, every every fortnight we watch uh, and discuss, like, a full f- film franchise. So, as I said before, we've just finished the James Bond, which the James Bond series, which we separated into it by actor and did it across um, five mm-hmm. different episodes. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I've been doing all year so far, <laughs> is watching James Bond movies. But the James Bond was actually um, uh, arguably our 100th franchise we've covered on the show. Um, so we've done everything from your your greatest hits, like the, we did the MCU, we've done Lord of the Rings, but we've also done like um, Sisterhood of the Travelling Pants and... Um, lady and the tramp and you know we've 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 gone big and we've gone small nice. i've seen all 17 earbud movies um so oh my actually gosh. there's 18 now but i have seen the 18th one um so <laughs> there you go if you want if you're wanting to to listen to a podcast that violently whip cracks back and forth between prestige well-known film franchises and straight to dvd garbage that you maybe heard of in the back of your mind then we're the show for you. Yeah, thoroughly recommend right. it. Worth watching, worth listening to. Thank you. <laughs> we are completely funded by our lovely listeners through Patreon. So anything you can give, even one dollar a month, it gives access to exclusive content, early access to shows, bonus shows, awesome merch like coasters and stickers and magnets. So if you want to find out more, go to patreon.com slash gushing. And we will be back next week with another episode where we are going to talk about Citizen Kane. Until then, I'm Mandy Kay. And you make a pretty lousy murderer. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, visit eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.